Hi, this is Jose Figueroa with an Approved Workman, where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Welcome to another week of Bible study. I am so glad that you're here as we open up God's word one more time. Our current series is Come, Lord Jesus, a study of the book of Revelation. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here is how you can learn more about our work. First, go to our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's anapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can also listen to previous episodes of the current series on Revelation or any episodes from any of the previous series we have done. On the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now also on Amazon Music, as well as other podcast directories. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Workman. On Pinterest, we have a page, pinterest.com slash Workman, And you can also find our Facebook page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Workman. 215. Finally, if you're watching the video version of this lesson, make sure you subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Rumble to ensure you will miss any upcoming episodes. Today, we are in lesson number 44 in the series, Come, Lord Jesus, from the book of Revelation. This lesson is titled, All Things New, Part 1. Our focus passage is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. So please find your way in your Bible to that passage. In Revelation 21, the Apostle John sees the new heaven and the new earth and the arrival of the new holy city, the new Jerusalem. Have you ever wanted to complete a renovation project in your home? Maybe because you're tired of the way your house looks. You've been there a long time and things need to change a little bit. Maybe a fresh coat of paint will do. Or perhaps it's time for a new carpet or time to get rid of the carpet altogether and go with tile or wood floors. Or maybe what is really needed is more complicated and involved than that. It is possible that again your house is getting up in years and it's time to modernize the kitchen or the bathrooms. Your home needs a total redo. Here's another question for you. Would you hire a contractor to do the work or would you do it yourself? Listen to this DIY, do it yourself, home renovation statistics from the site social.com. The worldwide DIY home improvement industry is forecasted to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 4.5% between 2021 and 2027. The worldwide home decor market will most likely reach $838.6 billion by 2027. The United States home improvement market size is forecasted to be $621.3 billion by 2025. 
Listen to this one. People between the ages of 35 to 54 are the most likely to invest in home renovation. And last year, 2021, the United States building, building materials, garden equipment, and supplies dealer sales reached almost $40 billion. Last one. The United States held over 80% of the North American home improvement market share in 2020. Clearly, the home renovation business is a big business. But sometimes it makes more sense to start from scratch. Another business that's growing includes the complete demolition of a home to the ground. Then in its place, a new home is built from scratch, all new. And as we get towards the end of Revelation, we're getting close to the end of history as we know it. So which approach do you think God will take as we move closer to the eternal state? Will he just do a basic renovation, a few touch-ups, or will it be a complete bill from scratch? Stay tuned and let's find out together. In our previous episode, we concluded our study of Revelation 20, the thousand years. In Revelation 20, the Apostle John witnesses the thousand-year reign, a final global battle, and the great white throne judgment. Let's do a quick review of each of our three lessons on this chapter. First, we look at the glorious thousand-year reign, uh, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. We discuss the topic of the millennium, which is a biblical term taken from the Latin word meaning a thousand, referring to the thousand-year reign of Christ. We also discuss the diverse views on the millennium and how we cannot really be dogmatic about the different possibilities. Many options are on the table. We also encounter the key concepts of the first resurrection, the second death, and the lake of fire. And we spend quite a bit, quite a bit of time looking at the nature of Christ's glorious kingdom. Let's look at the principle and application we learned last time. Uh, on this section. First, the king's faithful servants will reign with him. The king's faithful servants will reign with him. As a way of application, we ask this question. As a believer today, how are you maintaining your allegiance to Christ until that day when you will reign with him in his glorious kingdom? In our second lesson from Revelation 20, we look at the global final battle, Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10. In this section, we saw the reference to Gog and Magog in Revelation 20, taking us back to the prophecy of the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. We discuss how many scholars believe this battle, described in Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10, is the same as the Battle of Armageddon. is a recapitulation of the same event. We saw how Satan is freed from his prison in the abyss and how he will lead the nations on one final assault on God's kingdom at Mount Zion at Jerusalem. That's the location of the final battle, the beloved city, Jerusalem. The outcome is certain. God consumes the armies of Satan with heavenly fire and Satan is thrown into the lake of fire to join the Antichrist 
and the false prophet. All three of them will be tormented forever and ever. The principle we learn in this section, the king's faithful servants work to reconcile the world to God. The king's faithful servants work to reconcile the world to God. Our application, as a believer today, how are you helping those who are being deceived by that serpent of old, Satan? Finally, in our third lesson from Revelation 20, we concluded the study by looking at the great white throne judgment, verses 11 through 15. When we get to this point, Satan and his armies have been defeated. Again, he is now in the lake of fire, never to live again to deceive the nations or to oppose God. What we have left before the eternal state arrives has been the subject of many books and movies, Judgment Day. Everyone has an appointment with a great judge, and there will be no more delays for evil to be judged once and for all. This is critical. If your name is not in the book of life, the evidence against you will come from what is found in other books, your deeds, your works. And if your name is not in the book of life, there is only one possible verdict. Guilty. The sentence, the second death, the lake of fire. Here is the principle we learned last time. The king's faithful servants mercifully preach the gospel to the lost. The king's faithful servants mercifully preach the gospel to the lost. As a believer today, how are you sharing the gospel so that many will have their names found in the book of life? We should always remember that Christ will establish his kingdom and his people will reign with him forever and ever. Recently, I had the opportunity to watch the state funeral of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. It was a very moving set of ceremonies as expected. Queen Elizabeth reigned over the United Kingdom for 70 years. It was clear to me watching the ceremonies that she was beloved by the nation and by many around the world. Two things stood out to me as I watched those ceremonies. First, she was lauded for her unwavering commitment to fulfilling her duty as monarch. Uh, she made a commitment to her assignment even though it came to her unexpectedly when her father passed away suddenly and she was a very young woman, about 25 years old. In her devotion to the nation and to her role, she left an example for all of us to follow. The second thing that stood out to me was the services were full of hope, Christian hope. Queen Elizabeth was a Christian, and in her later years, she became even more outspoken about her faith. She had the responsibility for planning her funeral, and she made sure that it would be clear that she had the hope of resurrection and eternal life with our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think about the lessons of Revelation 20, could we emulate the Queen? Could we as believers commit without wavering to follow our Lord Jesus Christ where He is leading us? Could we as believers share openly and frequently about our hope of eternal life? Let's remember that as believers, we are living in the already and not yet 
kingdom of God. Because Christ lives, we live with him, now and forever. Because Christ reigns, we reign with him, now and forever. Because Christ is victorious, Satan has been defeated, now and forever. Because Christ is the king and judge, sinners have only one hope of salvation, him. In the end, if you are with Christ, if you have made him your Lord and Savior, you have your name written in the book of life. Nothing and no one can remove that name from that book. And in the end, you will receive the kingdom. As prophesied in the scroll of the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 verse 27. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the empires will serve and obey him. In today's lesson, we begin our study of Revelation chapter 21. The battle of Armageddon has been fought and won. The beast and the false prophet have been joined by Satan in the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment has been completed, and those whose names were not found in the Lamb's book of life have joined him. We are now ready to move into the eternal state, the eternal kingdom. God's plan for restoration is about to be completely fulfilled, and we are returning to where all started, to Eden. In his book, Escape the Coming Night, Dr. David Jeremiah reflects on our journey through the book of Revelation. He says, quote, we have traveled with John on a prophetic time machine, and as we look back at the people we met and the places we've seen, we could title our trip an incredible journey. Now we've reached the end of our journey and we'll be given a preview of eternity future. A new heaven and a new earth will be created. Although it's difficult to imagine anything more wonderful than the heaven we inhabit upon our debts, the eternal heaven will be even more glorious. The crowning jewel in paradise will be the holy city, the new Jerusalem. End quote. In an article on their blog, the team at the Bible Project also provides us with a great introduction on these two final chapters of the book of Revelation, Revelation 21 and 22. Listen to what they say. Quote, the revelation concludes with a final vision of the marriage of heaven and earth, where an angel shows John a stunning bride that symbolizes the new creation that has come forever to join God and his people. God announces that he's come to live with humanity forever and that he's making all things new. For John, the fulfillment of God's purpose through Jesus would result in the restoration of humans to their place as co-rulers of God's world, ready to work with God to take creation into uncharted territory. End quote. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Aren't you looking forward to that? Here's our lesson outline and goal for our teaching from Revelation 21. The lesson we're calling All Things New. 
Today, in part one, we're going to focus on the first division, a new heaven and a new earth, verses one through eight. Then, in part two, we will cover the second division, a new holy city, verses nine through 21. And then the third division, a new holy people, verses 22 through 27. My goal for the teaching from Revelation 21 is this, to encourage believers to remember that Almighty God will keep His promise to make all things new and to dwell with His people forever and ever. Again, the goal for the teaching from Revelation 21 is this, to encourage believers to remember that Almighty God will keep His promise to make all things new and to dwell with His people forever and ever. Let's get started. Let's go to our first division from Revelation 21, a new heaven and a new earth, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away verse 5 and he who sits on the throne said behold I am making all things new and he said write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life, without cost. The one who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable, and murderers, and sexually immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. In verse 1, John sees a new heaven and a new earth, because the first heaven and earth have passed away. There is no longer any sea. We saw during our study of the great white throne judgment that the previous heaven and earth passed away from the presence of the great judge. Revelation 20 verse 11. What we have here before us is not just a typical restoration project. It's not just a little refreshing or refurbishing of something old. No, this is a complete renewal. A total redo. All things are being made new according to the promises of God. This echoes the promise of Isaiah chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Isaiah 65 verse 17. 
the Apostle Peter also talked about this in the second of his epistles. Look at Second Peter, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 13. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Second Peter 3, verses 12 and 13. The important thing is here at the end, Peter is also alluding to the prophecy of Isaiah, what we see John doing in Revelation. But that last part of verse 13 of Second Peter chapter 3, in which righteousness dwells, that gives you a little preview of what's going to be there in the new heaven and the new earth and what won't be there. As we get started with our study of this passage, let's first take a look at what Dr. Chuck Swindoll has to say about this in his commentary on the book of Revelation. He's talking about what new really means. Quote, to use a film metaphor, this is not a sequel. It's a completely new and different production. This is no re-edit, it's a remake. The Greek word kainos, which translates to new, means different from the usual, impressive, better than the old, superior in value or attraction. John had watched as the first heaven and earth fled away, along with all associated contaminations of sin. In this next vision, John saw heaven and earth return, but this time, a new heaven and a new earth, uncontaminated by sin. End quote. This tells us that there will not even be a remembrance of the former things. In addition to getting a new earth and heaven, notice this, there will no longer be any sea. No more sea? What does that mean? Well, the sea in scripture often represents the source of chaos, of evil and disorder that needs to be brought under control by God. Listen to these passages and think about this. First, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was sovereign over the surface of the waters. Look at Daniel chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. This is Daniel's great vision. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Look at Revelation 13, beginning in verse 1. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Revelation 13, 1 and 2. So there we see, again, this picture of the sea of chaos, of disorder, of opposition to God. It was in the beast uh, vision in Daniel 7, which is, again, 
alluded to by John in chapter 13 when we see the rise of the Antichrist of East and then going all the way back to Genesis you know the there was chaos and uh, in order to bring order uh, to create to establish a place uh, earth and we had to bring those waters under control and that's what God did listen to what the uh, we find in the Lexham Bible Dictionary regarding this picture of the sea quote a large body of water also used in scripture to describe the primordial state of the world and as a metaphor for evil this is Daniel Sarlo in an entry called sea in the Lexham Bible Dictionary so what do we have here in the new heaven and in the new earth there will be no more source of chaos or evil evil has been completely stamped out for good by Yahweh by the Lord his victory is complete the restoration to paradise is complete no more sea no more chaos no more evil in verse 2 John also saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God the city was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband this is the heavenly Mount Zion look at Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 22 but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect Hebrews 12 verses 22 and 23 this is a new kingdom God's kingdom an unshakable kingdom as in Hebrews 12 28 and God's fully renewed kingdom needs a beautiful capital city it's the place where heaven and earth will meet once and for all and we'll learn more about this beautiful city in the next section of this chapter that's our second division a new holy city but something to look forward to in verse 3 John again heard a loud voice coming from God's throne and every time we see that a loud voice coming from God's throne in Revelation something important is about to happen and the voice said this the tabernacle of God is among the people and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them that word there tabernacle is the same as tent or dwelling it is where God basically abides uh, lives with his people and as we have seen before this is what God has wanted from the beginning to be with his people to be with his human family that's why he created humanity over the next few minutes I'm going to show you a progression of this idea the concept of God dwelling with his people because it comes full circle here in Revelation 21 verse 3 extremely important so let's start at first in the Garden of Eden God walking among his people look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 now they heard the son of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden so yes this is right after the fall right after Adam and Eve disobey God by taking 
of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So yes, they're hiding. They understood shame. They don't want to be with God, so they're trying to hide from him. But what I want you to focus on is this idea that it was usual for the Lord God to walk in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve are not just hiding from some ghost, from some spirit. There is a physical presence they're trying to hide from. So this idea of God physically walking among his people goes all the way back to the beginning, to the Garden of Eden. And it comes full circle here in Revelation 21. After the fall and the expulsion out of the garden, the tabernacle in the wilderness was built as a temporary mobile dwelling place for God to be with his people, Israel. Look at Exodus 25, beginning in verse 8. Have them construct a sanctuary for me, so that I may dwell among them. According to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, so you shall construct it. Exodus 25, 8 and 9. Look at Leviticus 25, beginning in verse 11. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Leviticus 25, verses 11 and 12. You see the idea repeated? I may dwell among them. I will be your God, you will be my people. I will make my dwelling among you. It should sound a lot like Revelation 21, verse 3. Later on, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, a fixed dwelling place for God's name to dwell among his people. Look at 1 Kings chapter 9, beginning in verse 3. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have offered before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there always. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walk in integrity of heart and honesty, acting in accordance with everything that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, you shall not be deprived of a man on the throne of Israel. 1 Kings 9, verses 3 to 5. Then Jesus came, and he, Emmanuel, God with us, came to live, to dwell with the people. Look at the Gospel of John in verse 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's God dwelling among the people in human form, God in the flesh, the incarnation, God with us. Still in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. The Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? This is after Jesus was done cleansing the temple. Verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took 46 years to build this temple, 
and yet you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. Jesus said, he is the temple of God. Keep that in mind. Then, after Jesus' resurrection and exaltation, God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside all believers, the church. Each believer, a walking, living tabernacle, a temple of God. Individual tabernacles and collectively a, de- a temple of God. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit, a temple in the Lord, a dwelling of God. That's the believer individually. That's the church collectively. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys a temple of God, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. 1 Corinthians 3. 16 and 17. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Or what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16. And now, moving forward to Revelation 21, now we get to the end of the story. And as Dr. Michael Heiser likes to say, God gets his way. We, his people, believers, will be with him forever. He will be our God forever. He will live, dwell, abide with us forever and ever. There is no interruptions. There is no breaks in fellowship. We will be his people forever. Nothing and no one can keep that from happening. Moving forward to verse 4 in Revelation 21. It gets better. The voice from the throne of God also declared that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Think about everything that has ever brought you to tears. Every loss. Every hurt. Every disappointment, every broken dream, every dash hope, it will never happen again. No more tears. Something else will be missing in heaven. There will no longer be any death, mourning, crying, or pain. We're reminded again that all the first things have passed away. All things have been made new. One of my favorite songs is from Dominican singer Juan Luis Guerra. He's a born-again Christian. And he wrote a song called, in Spanish, En el cielo no hay hospital. Which literally means, in heaven, there is no hospital. In this song, 
He speaks about how God will heal every illness, every injury, every physical pain we have ever had. Hence, you won't need hospitals. No one will be sick ever again. Our bodies will be completely renewed, glorified, just like the new heavens and the new earth. You know what else you won't see in heaven? Cemeteries. There will be no more death. You also won't see any police stations or prisons or courthouses. There will be no crime. Nothing that will cause pain or suffering or that is needed because the suffering that's caused by evil. You know how sometimes we live in the fear of something going wrong in our lives? That fear will not exist in heaven. Nothing that causes pain or suffering or death will be part of the new heavens and earth because God is making all things new. In verse 5, John again heard the one sitting on the throne, God the Father, declaring that, Behold, I am making all things new. God is making everything new. All the old things will pass away. I believe God is repeating this message over and over to John, so he gets it, and so we get it. He is making all things new. In his book, Because the Time is Near, Dr. John MacArthur comments on this wonderful new reality that awaits believers. Quote, All human experience related to the original creation is gone forever, and with it, all the mourning, suffering, disease, pain, and death that has characterized lives since the fall. In that forever new creation, there will be no decay, no decline, and no waste. End quote. And God doubles down. He also tells John, tells John to write everything down because the words are faithful and true. It's like God is saying, John, write it down. It's important. You need to remember this. People need to know. And it's important, it says, John could trust everything because God said it. He is faithful. He is the truth. He keeps his promises. Verse 6, he also declared to John that it is done. It's a fact. From God's perspective, this has already been done. It has been accomplished. It has been finished. It is the already, not yet kingdom. We are there already. In his commentary on Revelation, Dr. Swindold comments on this phrase, it is done. He says, quote, the term carries with it absolute finality. Literally, the perfect tense of the Greek word ginomine means they have become. This isn't the same as Jesus' statement on the cross, it is finished. That is tetelestai, John 19.30. That word emphasized something in the past that has come to its intended end. In Jesus' case, the suffering and payment for the sins of the world. However, when God declares it is done, he is pointing forward to a permanent condition that has fully arrived. End quote. In other words, what God intended from the beginning for this world to be, what God intended for us to be as his human family, has come to be. It is completed. And that is the permanent condition. Nothing and no one, no one can ever 
change that. It is done. It is accomplished. It is a permanent condition for the new heavens, the new earth, and his new holy people. Why else can we trust these words? He is God and there is no other. He can make this happen and he will make this happen. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Look at Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What about Revelation 22, verse 13? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is also the one who gives water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Free living water. This echoes the invitation found in the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 55 beginning in verse 1. You there, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have, who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Isaiah 55, 1-3 This invitation also echoes the invitation to life from Jesus. Look at, again, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus replied to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. John, chapter 4, verse 10. John, chapter 7, beginning in verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. It's an an invitation to life, and everyone is given the choice to either accept or reject God's gracious offer of salvation. For the one who remains loyal, for the overcomer, we're told in verse 7 that his or her reward will be to inherit all these new things God is making. This is your destiny as a child of God. These people will also become God's sons and daughters, and he will be their God. So that's your promise if you maintain your believing loyalty, if you stay true to Jesus Christ. Like those in Revelation, they follow after the Lamb. However, verse 8 tells us, there is a different outcome for you if you reject God's offer of salvation. There are some people that will not get to live in the new heavens and earth. We are told that the cowardly, the unbelieving, also translated as the faithless, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, 
and the liars will not participate in the new heaven and earth. That group of people will not be in God's new kingdom because they have refused to repent from their evil deeds in spite of the many opportunities they had. Instead, their fate will be the second death, the lake of fire. In his Bible commentary, Dr. Tony Evans comments on the fate of the unbelievers. He says, quote, The description of heaven is interrupted with a brief reminder that those who persist in sin and rebellion against God will spend eternity in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Unbelievers with their unglorified bodies and unredeemed souls will enter a place where every problem from this life will be amplified without any hope of improvement. End quote. The new heaven and the new earth are a reality. That's our destiny as sons and daughters of God. That's our future for those of us who have put our trust for salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you excited? Well, that's the end of our first division from Revelation 21. What's our principle? God's people are destined to dwell with him forever in the new heavens and earth. God's people are destined to dwell with him forever in the new heavens and earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Revelation 21, verse 3. What are you looking forward to the most in the new heaven and the new earth? This concludes part one of our teaching from Revelation 21. Thank you for being here today. Next time, we will conclude our study of Revelation 21 by looking at our second and third divisions, a new holy city, verses 9 through 21, and a new holy people, verses 22 through 27. Until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved workman where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. May God richly bless you.